Well, good morning, everyone. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Try not to kick that over. Um, and uh, happy Advent and Merry Christmas to you from the Upper Mission, where I live. Uh, so if any of you are in the neighborhood, howdy neighbor. Uh, yes. Um, we're going to begin by reading the word of the Lord together, so I wonder if you could stand with me as we read Psalm 24, and let's read it with some gusto because this is an ancient hit song. Are you ready? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend to the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, you doors. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates, Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty, he is the King of glory. It's the word of the Lord. Thank you. Please be seated. <clears throat> now, uh, I need you to practice something with me. This is very complicated, so please follow along. Just kind of hold your hand like this. And, uh, and then you're going to, together with me, we're going to use this later on. And this is, as I said, it's very complicated. You're, I, I would love for you to help me with this. This sound, okay? And just like do this with your hand. It just goes well together. Okay, so one, two, three. Okay, one more time. One, two, three. Okay, just hang on to that. We're going to use it. Um, about this time last year, uh, our area was already draped with snow, much more than what we have this year, if you remember. And uh, those winter evenings are glorious, aren't they? Did any of you go out for a walk last night once the, once the snow had settled and it just brightens up and it's beautiful and glorious with the moonlight reflecting off the sparkling snow and the twinkling lights and the stars glittering overhead and those satellites drifting everywhere, reminding you that you're being followed. Uh, uh, all of this just invades the darkness that creeps in around 4 p.m. these days. And it was one, one of those evenings last year that our family went sledding, or as we used to say in Ontario where I grew up with a, an old indigenous word, uh, tobogganing. Any, any of you ever toboggan? Uh, yeah, so that's the older word for it. It's rooted in an, in an indigenous word, actually. Um, and we were having this great time out on the hill. Uh, fluffy powder, it was just one of those, it was so beautiful. Fluffy powder up to an eight-year-old's waist requiring multiple runs to make trails that don't fail. You know how that goes. It's pushing all the way. It's beautiful. And at one point, I ended up deep in a drift, 
my jacket and my gloves just filled. And I, I stood up, you know, you shake like a dog, and, and I pulled off my gloves to empty them out. And when I did, when I pulled off this glove, my wedding ring went with it, flittered and cirque de soleil through the air, twinkling and winking at me as it disappeared into who knows where and landed in the marshmallow softness of a Kelowna hillside. And it was a Lord of the Rings moment in slow motion. And there I am standing in the back, oh no, as it goes down into the snow. And then here we go, one, two, three, it was gone. And then life returned to normal breakneck speed, as a sled of kids barreled down, spilling snow everywhere while I was begging for physics to stop working and doing my Gandalf thing, you shall not pass! No, it didn't work. (laughs) You know the search, you know how the search for things in powder snow goes, right? You can imagine. You know that saying, looking for a needle in the haystack? idiomed in the pre-Shakespearean days of England, that saying was, well, if, by the way, the Speak Good English movement has, has uh, updated that for, for modern listeners and modern English speakers in a way that's more understandable, and this is, I'm not kidding, this is actually what they said. Uh, it's trying to find a lost child at the IT fair. So had this been in pre-Shakespearean England in the wintertime, we would all have a different saying. It would be a saying that's something like this, like looking for a ring in a snowdrift instead of like looking for a needle in a haystack. Now, uh, we looked and we looked, but every movement was only making it more improbable, of course, right? Because you're pushing snow everywhere and it's just like, this is horrible, we're never gonna find it. And um, my heart sank. My wife's eyes rolled, and did I mention that our anniversary is Christmas Eve? So here we are, yeah. How did you feel that so quickly, right? Just like, oh, it's just terrible. Like, nothing like you losing the wedding ring on the cusp of your anniversary. So my heart sinks further, and my wife's eyes, like, beautiful, bundled children down a snow-laden hillside. They just kept rolling. And uh, eventually most of the clan went home, and uh, my son and I decided to stay and do a few more runs, and I finally just said, forget it, we'll look for it in the spring. Like, whatever. Um, and so my son, do, uh, we do a few, couple more runs, and then we say, okay, let's go back as well. And, and uh, I said, but this time, this time, son, let's uh, look again, but let's take time to pause and pray. And so it wasn't a long meditative work of poetry. It was simply, Lord God Almighty, you know all things. You care about even the smallest details of our lives. Could you reveal your glory by helping us find this ring? Now, Jesus said something about the faith of a mustard seed in Matthew chapter 17. Well, this was not even that big. It was faith the size of a snow crystal. And we paused, and uh, in that outdoor cathedral, still wondrous as ever as the millions of stars, millions of kilometers away, twinkled, inviting us to remember our smallness. And 
And I turned to my left and I looked. And there in an area of undisturbed, shimmering beauty was a circle. About the size of a desperate man's ring finger. And so, don't move, I said to my son. And I reached my hand in under as far as I could go, and I lifted up, blue, dusted, one, two, three, there it was. There it is. Silent wonder and worship by father and son on a silent night in Kelowna. Psalm 24, 7 and 8, we read, Lift up your heads, you gates, be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The song asks. The Lord, strong and mighty, the song answers. The Lord, mighty in battle. This week I was in a conversation with my Peace and Reconciliation Network colleague in Jerusalem, where a short truce ended and a horrific catastrophe continues live on our screens, blurring the line between the fictional movies we watch and the wicked reality of our troubled days. 5,000 children have died in Gaza, he said, and the world seems content to let it continue. Another of my PRN colleagues in Yerevan, Armenia, has seen his small country welcome in more than 100,000 Armenians who were ethnically cleansed from their lands in Artsakh, the Artsakh region of Azerbaijan, in September and October this year. An area about the size of the Okanagan Valley was completely emptied of its inhabitants who had to leave most everything behind. Over a thousand years, over a thousand years of Christian Armenian presence in that region. My friend Craig lives within 10 minutes of the tomb of Ananias, the Ananias who came to Saul when he was blind in Damascus. That's how long Christian presence in this part of the world has been. And now it's empty this Christian presence in Azerbaijan obliterated, ancient churches desecrated, the capital, Stepanakert, that picture. Population 75,000, a ghost city. In October, I was in Indonesia to meet with, an, with national leaders within the Asia Evangelical Alliance, the regional fellowship of evangelical Christians of all denominations representing Christians from Pakistan to Japan and Mongolia to Indonesia, the whole region. An Indian pastor there uh, shared about the environmental disaster affecting his region, deforestation and higher temperatures leading to floods and droughts that have severely impacted the quality of life. And he sat quietly as others discussed what it really meant for the earth to be the Lord's and everything in it. In the summer, our Peace and Reconciliation Network hosted a Ukraine, Canada, and the Church Forum together with the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada and the Canadian Council of Churches. We listened as Slavic leaders shared 
from here in Canada about the incredible challenges they're now facing with 200,000 Ukrainians having arrived in our communities over the last 18 months. The strain on our Slavic brothers and sisters. There's a church right here in the city in, on Richter Street or the Ukrainian Catholic Church or the Ukrainian Orthodox Church. The strain on these faith communities is enormous. And Pastor Alex from Toronto shared how his church used the 25000 that they had saved up to fix the leaking roof of their building to house and feed the displaced and have even have been asked by the Red Cross to see if they can house any more. Lamentably, lamentably, he shared how a Ukrainian babushka, a grandma, decided to leave Canada and return to Ukraine when she couldn't find any housing. And this was her quote, better to go face the bombs in my home than live on the streets of Toronto. So herein lies the great question of the skeptic. And let's be honest, we can all ask this troubling question. If God is strong and mighty, if God is mighty in battle, then why the ring? And not the protection of children in Gaza or concert goers in Israel. Why the replaceable ring and not your marriage or that cancer or those finances? If God is Almighty, the Lord of hosts of Psalm 24 or El Gabor, which is literally God mighty, God champion, God chief. As Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says, then why the ring and not a babushka seeking a place to lay her head? Isaiah 9 is a prophetic ancient word of hopeful expectation uttered into the gloomy darkness of another despairing period in what is now called the Holy Land. Ancient Israel beset by foes, lost in selfishness, and having abandoned its call to be light to the nations, which was their divine purpose. Despite being a small and insignificant nation, they needed a word from above. People walking in darkness would see a great light. Joy would be multiplied. The yoke of the burden would be removed. Clothes shredded by war and splattered with blood would be forgotten. Why? Well, let's read this, shall we? Ready? For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. A child will be born. A great dominion, a government of peace. Shalom is the Hebrew word. God's very best for everyone, everywhere, will rest on his shoulders. Now, goodness gracious, today's 
octogenarian, bombastic, selfie-snapping, opinion-pull-chasing, political right and left seem powerless to carry the weight of governance, let alone bring peace. How will this child carry it? And he will be called many things, and to him will be done many things. Isaiah will later say he will be despised and rejected. But he is, despite the skeptics, the darkness, the detractors, and our own small faith, he is mighty God. And all this most hopeful vision will be accomplished by the zeal of the Lord Almighty, the Lord of hosts of Psalm 24. And all this is a call to the gates. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Now, ancient gates, if you can picture an ancient city, you've all seen the pictures, or maybe you've been to one. Ancient city with gates. The ancient gates protected a city from invaders, and they were where city elders stood and made decisions and ruled. It was, in many ways, the gates of a city were, were like the old ancient city hall. It's where decisions were eventually made. And so, lift up your heads, O oh, you gates, you great blockages to justice and righteousness, you proud obstacles to the entry and rule of God himself, even in Israel. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, you demonic hindrances of the Creator's goodness to the earth and those who dwell therein. Let the King of glory, the Lord of hosts, the Lord strong and mighty, let him enter what is his, and he will rule with justice and righteousness. Well, Salim, my Palestinian Christian brother from Jerusalem, contextualized the angel's announcement to the shepherds standing out in their fields. Fear not, I behold, behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Salim reminded our global team just this week that those fields outside of Bethlehem were in sight of the castle doors of King Herod the proud and violent ruler who killed his own family and would slay the little ones of Bethlehem. And it was in those fields where no one was looking for anything of significance, and yet directly in view of the government of the day that the covert declaration of mighty God was made. The child is born. He is in the line of the good King David. He is a savior for all people, and he is Christ the Lord. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may enter. Is it any wonder that when this child, the promised Messiah, grows, he says a most powerful thing? Jesus asks his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, who do you, who do you say I am? And Peter, simple fisherman, clearly sees it, and he says, you are the, what does he say? You're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the Son of the living God. In other words, you are the King of glory. 
To which Jesus, the champion over death itself, says, On the strong foundation, Peter, of you seeing this, I will build my church, my ecclesia. And that word means those who are called out from the city to sit at the gates and take responsibility for the city. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it, will not overcome it. Let mighty God, the King of glory in, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And you who see this, who confess it, who know your only hope and the hope of the world is God and God alone, who know the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, who live in the gloom but see the dawn of hope, who hear the noise of nations but are tuned to the cry in the manger and his coming again to right this listing ship, our citizens of a kingdom come through whom God and his will will be done. Now, what is awesome, of course, is that Jesus, mighty God, does not come as a tyrant, but as a servant. The gender reveal party is solely for the sake of Mary and Joseph's courage and obedience, right? He is born in the shadow of the castle, but not in it. He doesn't come bursting down the doors. He doesn't do that in your life, nor does he seem to do that really in history. It is a child that will be born to us, said Isaiah. He comes vulnerable and ignorable as a pooping baby needing the breastfeeding of a mother and a family that will love and nurture him. He comes humble, lowly, And meek. When Jesus says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, he's saying more than you might assume. The word translated meek in English, in, in English, it just sounds like so weak, right? Meek. Even rhymes, unfortunately. But in Greek, it's praus. It's a word used for the harnessing of the power of a horse. It is strength and might under control. It is power without undue harshness. It is mighty God in swaddling clothes. Almighty God harnessing our shivering, quivering, glorious humanity. The one to whom all authority in heaven and on earth belongs is the one who will stoop to wash his disciples' feet. He notices the widow giving her offering. He sits with an outcast Samaritan woman at a well in the heat of the day. He invites himself into the home of a despised tax collector. He receives with respect the skepticism of Nicodemus. He welcomes children. And he says, bless those who persecute you. Who is this king of glory? The Lord mighty in battle. 
And herein lies the clue to our own conundrums. Mighty God is revealed as uncommonly and even confusingly, honestly, concerned about small things. Yes, even lost rings on a hillside. Jesus never unseated Herod or his descendants with an insurrection. He never protested Pilate. He just confronted Pilate with his smallness. He said, you'd have no power if it wasn't given, you, given to you from above. Even as Pilate held his life in his Roman hands. Jesus is unconcerned with headlines and popularity. He would do miracles and then tell the people not to tell anybody about it. He wouldn't have survived in a social media age. God Almighty's ways are not like ours. God Almighty's ways are, are mustard seed, ring and snowdrift, covert operations. His kingdom is yeast working through the dough, like a child taking a big person's hand and leading them to unexpected places of wonder that grown-ups get too busy for, right? Kids will make you do crazy things over the next few weeks. You know that, right? They have a power. Mighty God does not burst down Herod's door with missiles and pomp. No, he enters the gloom of human history, born in political chaos, as you and I still are. He comes as mighty God, meekly, power under control. And he comes to people like us, to nations and principalities, to gatherings of the religious and the searching, and he stands at the door and he knocks. Be lifted up, you gates. Who can ascend to him and stand in his holy place? That's the question of Psalm 24. Who can receive the blessing of the king and his justice and righteousness? Well, it's not the loud ones blowing their own horn, twisting reality into fake news, or demanding that the whole world change for their sakes. No, it's the one with clean hands and a pure heart, who don't sell their soul to what is false, or deceive all others all the while saying they're telling the truth. It is those who desperately welcome mighty God as revealed in the small things, in the necessary hidden places of my character, my broken humanity, my sin, and our sin together. After all, if God can prove to a dad and his son that he is mighty in the snow, or can use fishermen as poster boys, or transform terrorists into apostles, or take unclean hands and make them hands lifted in prayer, 
Or take impure and hard hearts and make them soft, repentant, and seeking the good of even their enemies. If God Almighty can turn shepherds into proclaimers, change little old Mary Magdalene and little old me and little old you into those who not only pray for, but work for the kingdom to come on earth just as it is in heaven, then guess what? Then when the nations rage... And when the kings and the queens and the presidents and the parliaments and the terrorist organizations take their stands, when Satan himself thinks he rules the gates, then when the cry rises for hope and joy and peace and love from the gates of the world, what will be seen everywhere is mighty God surrounded by a host that no one can count. from every tribe and language and nation. And they will beat swords into plowshares, and they will make disciples of all peoples, enjoying the good government of a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. They will be yeast through the dough, meek and mighty, wise and compassionate, merciful servants, peacemakers, salt and light, witnesses of another way, ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven, and they will be harnessed to power, the new humanity, the new creation, the ecclesia, and they will proclaim and be good news and great light for those walking in darkness. That Indian pastor In Indonesia, there he is. He sat silently as others discussed the environmental challenges facing their regions and whether the church could do anything about it. And uh, suddenly, just right around there, he, he grabbed the mic and he stands up and he says, my area is suffering because of all this and uh, I'm making a commitment today. He said, we're regularly... <laughs> And this just about made me gasp because it's so wonderful. He said, we're regularly baptizing 150 people at a time. And from now on, every new believer we, we baptize will be asked to plant 10 trees as a sign of their baptismal commitment to follow Jesus as Lord of all. Well, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Every new believer is a new creation in Christ. Let the King of glory come on in. My friend Craig in Armenia, overwhelmed by the trauma of displaced peoples, collaborates with churches now to train believers across denominations as trauma healers, equipping as many as possible so that Christians are on the front lines of healing the wounds of the nation, that's him with a group that just graduated a few weeks ago. Wonderful counselor, mighty God. Let the king of glory come on in. The division among Jews, Muslims, and even Christians in the Middle East as the war rages is daunting. How will a conflict with generations of violence and trauma and memories of Holocaust and Nakba be healed. Our Peace and Reconciliation Network team worked with the many parts of the body of Christ in the Middle East 
to collaborate on a common prayer, and it's a lengthy one. You'll see a QR code up there. If you click there, you'll actually get to the whole prayer. That'll lead you there. Uh, and it's set up in a way that you, it's in seven parts, so you could focus on a part every day of the week if you want to pray this, um, this prayer with the global church. But I want to invite you to simply join me in praying with the global church and with our brothers and sisters in Palestine and Israel, in the Holy Land, to pray this, this one part of the prayer with me. So could you stand? And I, I, don't, I don't want us to rush through it because this isn't, this isn't just for the sake of reading it. This is, this is really actually, this really matters. So just pause your heart for a moment. Let's read it together and pray. With the church through the ages, we rejoice that your eye is on the sparrow. Your concern extends to even the most wayward, and you identify with the suffering to the extent that what we do to the least, we do unto you. We beseech you, O merciful God, that you comfort and intervene for the children, the mothers and fathers, the disabled, the captives, the grieving, the starving, the terrorized, the displaced, and those with none to speak on their behalf. We beseech you, O mighty God, to whom alone belongs vengeance. Bring peace and restoration to the land upon which you look for justice, but now see bloodshed and hear outcry. We intercede, O strong shepherd, for Israelis and Palestinians, Jews, Muslims, and Christians, that your rod and staff would protect and comfort in the valley of the shadow of death, and that your glory in Jesus Christ would fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. Be lifted up, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors. Are you ready? One, two, three. Let the King of glory come on in. God, we humble ourselves before you. Thank you that you see the ring. Thank you that you see what is going on in our hearts, in our households, that you are not just focused on big places. And it's because you are the king of a kingdom that works like yeast, there's hope. And we ask, Lord, that you would use us for your glory this week in all the places we go, in the conversations we have, in the workplaces, the coffee shops, the street corners, the neighborhoods, that in Kelowna, your might might be seen. We worship you through Jesus Christ, our Lord, and all God's people said.